mid-98, I bought into a mutual fund, basically focusing on technology stocks globally. And it was fantastic. I mean, let me tell you, business was growing great. My investments were going great. It was like one and a half years of the best roller coaster ever. The older ones of your listeners might remember March 2000 to the peak of the tech bubble. So my investments started to go down and everything started to go haywire really quickly and really fast. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name's Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with our featured guest, Joe Clement. Joe, are you ready to rock? Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's oh, get yeah. this thing on the road. Yeah. All right. We were just talking before the interview about we are rockers, so let's get this thing rocking. Let me introduce you to the audience, and then, then you can add on a little bit to that. All right, Joe Clement is head of investment research at Fidante Partners. In his role, he focuses on research on listed investment companies and investment themes in alternative asset classes. Before joining Fidante Partners, Joe was head of thematic research at Credit Suisse Private Bank and chief investment officer of Wellershoff and Partners, which is a Swiss-based investment consulting firm. In these roles, he worked with private banks and institutional investors on investment opportunities across all asset class. And ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully to this. In a previous incarnation, Joe was a physicist and worked in the IT industry at the height of the tech bubble before switching into finance. Joe, take a minute, fill in any further tidbits about your life. Just mentioned, I was working in the, bubble, in the tech industry at the height of the tech bubble, then switched into finance in 2003, which is why my friends always ask me not to switch industry again, because a couple of years later, it all breaks down totally. That's kind of my experience based of being in the tech industry in the late 90s. Looking at today, it looks... To some, it looks somewhat familiar, to be honest, with the tech boom that we're having at the moment and the FANG stocks going through the roof. Obviously, not the last couple of weeks, but you've been pretty happy for the last couple of years if you were invested in them. We always remember the history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. So if you're looking for an exact replica, well, no, this isn't the exact same thing. That's exactly what you should be seeing is that it's not exactly the same. It'll be different in some way, but it'll be painful when it comes. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. My worst investment ever dates back to those days of the tech bubble in the late 90s. So I was basically straight out of university, started working for this tech company that was a spin-off for my alma mater. It was a, an internet job board, like you have so many these days, but in, in the mid-90s, that was kind of a pioneering business model. And we did really well. I mean, it was, it was great fun working there, great startup atmosphere. Everything was going well. We were, we were making money so fast, we couldn't really invest it. <laughs> and, and so eventually, when I came around to, to thinking, okay, now I've got some savings, Savings here. It's the first savings. Came out of university pretty broke. First investments. What am I going to do? Well, I know the IT industry. So what, what better than to, to invest in a tech fund? So in 98, I don't remember what it was, summer or autumn, but it was pretty much mid-98. 
I bought into a mutual fund, uh, basically focusing on technology stocks globally. And it was fantastic. I mean, let me tell you, business was growing great. My investments were going great. It was like one and a half years of the best roller coaster ever. It, you couldn't do anything wrong. And along comes March 2000. In the business, our clients stopped advertising with us pretty much from one month to the next. Literally, it's like 80, 90% drop in advertising revenue from, from one month to the next. And as you might remember, or as the older ones of your listeners might remember, March 2000 was also the peak of the tech bubble. So my investments started to go down and everything started to go haywire really quickly and really fast. Long story short, uh, the business still exists only because, as I mentioned, we were making money so fast we couldn't invest it, which was our saving grace on the, on the business side because we were having so much cash that it got us through the next two, three years until things kind of recovered again. But my personal investments didn't recover. I was busy running the business and the investments went down and down and down and then up a little bit and then down and down and down and down and down. Cut a long story short, in late 2002, the mutual fund company that ran the fund closed the fund at an 85% loss for me, I would st probably still have that fund if it weren't closed and if I wasn't forced out to sell it. In the meantime, I got more and more interested in investments and in, in finance. And that's when I switched into the finance industry, just to repeat the entire experience five years later. Okay, let, let's take that. There's a lot of things I've written down that I want to talk about, but let's have you wrap up. Basically, tell us what lessons did you learn from this experience? Well, there are two lessons that I took away from it. The number one lesson is that the eternal wisdom of everybody who saves for retirement slash is investing, not to make the mistake that just because you work in an industry that you think you know what's going on. I have been working in, in private wealth for the last 15 years or so. And I've seen that so often that people who make their money in, in pharmaceuticals think they know everything about the healthcare industry and people who make their, their wealth in, in IT think they know everything about technology, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing could be further from the truth. Oftentimes, the business that you're working in or your, your professional experience taints your view to be overly optimistic about that industry. And, and if that kind of makes you invest into that industry, you're just putting all the eggs in the same basket, which is going to hurt you the moment things go, go south. So that's number one. Number two is my experience that, ha that I've made since then, because over the last almost 20 years now, I've been ex incredibly hesitant to invest in technology stocks. I mean, it was a classic snake bite, you know? It's your first investment, you're super proud, and then you suck big time. I just kind of have always am skeptical ever since about technology stocks. So it kind of led to subsequent mistakes. For example, I did not invest in Amazon. I did not invest in Facebook. I didn't buy any of those uh, high-flying tech stocks of the moment just because I, I am very reluctant to invest in technology ever since. The two takeaways from that, I think, are fantastic. Now, let me just go through a few things that I take away from it in addition to those. Let me know if I missed anything. Uh, it's, it's also, it's kind of important to uh, talk for a moment about your first investment because it's a little bit like your first girlfriend. You know, you don't really know what you're doing, but you know, you see other people and you think you know what you're doing, but in fact, you don't know at all. But you know that everybody else is doing it, so... 
And I think with the first investment, what I've heard a lot of stories of people that, um, hey, I'm growing up, I'm out of school, I'm making money, now it's time. People say something that they like to say is make your mistakes when you're young. And in one of my books that I wrote called uh, How to Start Building Your Wealth Investing in the Stock Market, I say, don't make your mistakes when you're young. Why? <laughs> because I was just doing a calculation the other day to explain to somebody that $1 that you put in the stock market when you're 20 is actually equal to three free dollars right on the table in today's dollars. It'll actually be six or seven, 30, 40 years from now. And so you're, you're just missing that free money. So from an, that perspective, you do want to be investing. But what ends up happening is that people don't know much about investing and then they dive in. And it's just like driving a car without a seatbelt on. And most people will lose a lot in their first investment. And then that can taint them. And what we have to also remember is that bias that you described, you get burnt one time by either the stock market or a particular industry or a particular stock, and you never touch it again. But actually, the stock market, the industry, or that particular stock doesn't care about you. And it just could be that you just bought it at the wrong time. So we have to also be willing to go back to the market. And I think that's another thing that I would say. The other thing that's interesting about this, because there's people listening to this podcast that are listening to pitches from tech firms. And what those tech firms are saying is that we're diversified. Our revenue streams are coming from many, many different customers, many, many different industries. And I bet if I was an investor visiting your company at that time, and you would have told me, we're diversified. We've got many, many, many different customers from different industries, but yet you just told us that the revenue dropped from one month to the next by as much as 80% at the time. That's so absolutely true. To be perfectly honest, yes, we had customers from different industries, but they were all looking for the same kind of guy. They were all looking for engineers or technicians. The moment the recession started to hit, people cut back on their investments in the, in the business world, and that meant no more jobs for these guys. Uh, we were a supplier, and we were highly leveraged towards that exposure. It's kind of the, the story that you see time and again repeat in market. We had that, as I said, a couple of years later with the housing market and the housing crisis. You know, people were saying, yeah, this, these houses are all over the country and it's well diversified. It's not just in the east, it's in the west, it's everywhere. Yeah, well, house prices started to drop everywhere at the same time. All of a sudden, all your diversification isn't really diversification anymore. This is the, the lesson that I have taken away from it uh, and why I am, with my investments, always trying to make sure that I have real exposure to, to very different fundamental economic drivers in my investment. So mm. that means not just different industries, but literally very different business models, very different things, be it real estate, be it infrastructure, be it equities, be it bonds, because they're all exposed to you know, interest rates, economic cycles, but also very different things. Yeah, that's a great lesson about diversification. You know, over many years when I started in the world of finance, we talked about diversifying by owning stocks and bonds. But nowadays, they also talk about diversifying by factors such as oil price. Well, you may own a company in the oil industry that's positively correlated with the, the price of oil. And you may own another company in a whole other industry that's also positively correlated. So you don't actually realize it, but you're doubly invested in oil price as an example. So that's a great lesson about the concept of not 
just asset classes, but factors and whether it's interest rates or, you know, oil prices. Or you can go the other way around by saying, okay, I'm invested in oil companies. If I want to diversify, which kind of companies benefit from lower oil prices? And you end up with retailers, supermarkets who have to transport a lot of their uh, goods uh, to the different markets, or you end up with uh, food companies because the packaging is very expensive there and it's usually made out of plastic. So they tend to do well when oil prices go down and that gives you kind of a natural diversification to your oil company. So that in that particular case, a listener that doesn't understand how that would work, it would mean that, look, I'm not going to do my complete bet my life on just oil going up. I'm going to bet a part on oil going down and therefore I'm going to have some sort of net long position in oil, but I'm going to have a short position in the sense that if oil goes down, I'm going to own some stocks that would benefit from that. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, diversification means that you always have some stocks that uh, do well. Uh, and it always means that also, unfortunately, uh, that you have some stocks that you absolutely hate. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just tap, touch into one last thing and then we're going to wrap this up. But uh, there's three words that I like to say all the time, and that is create, grow and protect your wealth. And why I say those three, I've thought carefully for a long time about those three words and why I say those. And that is when you're working in the internet company that's making lots of cash, you are creating wealth. When you're in the stock market, I always advise people to not think of the stock market as a place that you're going to create wealth. It's a place that you're going to grow wealth. And then the third point is protect wealth. And one of the things that I see, and I heard from your story, but I hear it a lot from a lot of people, and I know it's true within the financial industry from all the different people I've worked with, is that everybody's busy. So you end up spending so much time creating your wealth that you just don't have time to keep on top of the investments that you're trying to grow your wealth. And I've seen so many cases of people that have ended up suffering because they weren't able to devote the time to grow their wealth. And the solution in that case for most people is probably to go with something highly diversified, keep contributing to it over time and just let it grow. But the mistake that many people will make is they, they want to get into a fancy idea, but they, re they don't realize they just don't have time to keep on top of that idea. No, absolutely agree. Uh, you mentioned also the, the word protection, you know, protect your wealth, preserve your wealth. And I've in my career seen so many people who created vast amounts of wealth because they were successful business owners, successful entrepreneurs, uh, and they created wealth by putting all their eggs in the same basket. Because if you want to create wealth, diversification is not the best way to do it. But if you want to stay rich, or if you want to protect your wealth, then proper diversification really is the way forward. Because you, as you mentioned, you, we are busy. We, we have a professional career. We have things to do. Even if you live in the, or work in the financial industry, you usually are busy dealing with your clients and, and taking care of their needs, not of your own portfolio. So that's why, in my case, I invest broadly diversified these days, uh, because I know I've got maybe once a year to actually look at the stuff and, and what's going on there because the other 364 days of the year, I'm super busy with, yep. with everything else. Yep. We have clients to take care of. So, all right. So based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I would say 
look at your own history, look at your own experiences, and learn from these experiences. One thing that I've introduced in my life is basically since that first experience was to have an investment diary where I note down just kind of free quick bullet points for every investment decision I make, whether I buy something or whether I sell something, or even sometimes if I consider buying something and then don't do it, I just note down what is the investment case? Why should it work? One bullet point, what could possibly go wrong? You know, the famous last words. Uh, and then the third one, obviously, what did you actually do? Then once a year, I go back and just review all my entries in my investment diary throughout the year and assess what kind of mistakes did I make? Why did it go well? And was it luck? Was it skill? And try to be brutally honest with myself in order to kind of find patterns of my behavior. And one of the patterns I found is that I'm reluctant to invest in technology just because of that experience that I made when I was very young. Uh, so I now try to actively overcome that bias that I've discovered through these investment diaries. And that hopefully makes me a better investor over time. Well, you're the first person to propose an investment diary. And I think this is a very great actionable piece of advice for the listeners to today. Get out a piece of paper. You may not even have a perfect, nice diary, but yeah, get yourself a little diary. But if you don't have a diary, you've got a piece of paper and a pen, start today. This is great advice. I won't ask for Joe to share a picture of his when he looked at Amazon. He said, this company's never going to make money. I'm not going to invest in that. We won't ask for that, but we get the idea. And so, all right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. And as we wrap up, Joe, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for our audience? Yeah, keep investing. That's as simple as that. Uh, don't uh, get thrown off just because you had some losers, or you had some bad uh, mistakes in your past. That's what we're here to, to learn from all of us. And uh, we get better every day. Lots of gold nuggets in this particular episode. That's a wrap on another great story that help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.